0: Welcome to the a and Global Podcast Series, addressing business concerns we face today. Today's conversation is with leaders in Alvarez and Marcel Healthcare Industry Group's Compliance and Regulatory Services. In this podcast, Peter Urbanowitz, Colleen Curran, and Mary Findlay will provide an overview of the Provider Relief Fund, the governing terms and conditions, and discuss best practices to avoid compliance risks that could lead to paybacks fines and penalties. We're delighted you've joined us today for this special podcast about compliance strategies for the CARES Act. I'm Peter Ivanowitz and I co-lead the Healthcare Industry Group at Alvarez and Marcel. I'm joined today by two members of our compliance and regulatory section, Colleen Curran, a managing director, and Mary Findlay, a senior director. Colleen and Mary will help me as we share some perspectives on what compliance steps hospitals, physicians, and other providers should take as they receive grant money from the federal government under the CARES Act. We hope this podcast is particularly timely as we're coming up on the certification deadlines for some of the grants that have already been made. Let me frame our compliance discussion by giving you a brief overview of the CARES Act. To respond to the coronavirus pandemic, Congress has passed three major pieces of legislation, including the $2 trillion Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or the CARES Act. The CARES Act created a Provider Relief Fund to reimburse providers for lost revenues and increased expenses due to the coronavirus pandemic. By some estimates, hospitals alone are expected to lose over $200 billion in revenues between March and June of this year. Provider Relief Funds distributed by HHS do not need to be repaid, but certain terms and conditions must be met. Over $175 billion has been appropriated so far to the Provider Relief Fund. So far, over $70 billion of the fund has been distributed, or is in the process of being distributed. A $50 billion general fund payment has been made for hospitals, physicians, and other providers. Grants are being made under a formula process that takes into account a provider's 2018 Medicare reimbursement and general program service revenues from prior years. A $10 billion fund was created for rural hospitals and providers. A $12 billion fund was created for hospitals in high-impact areas. Those are hospitals who cared for a large number of coronavirus patients. A $400 million fund for the Indian Health Service. There's also a fund of at least $10 billion that is going to pay for the care of uninsured COVID-19 patients. Providers who receive distributions from the Provider Relief Fund are required to complete attestations certifying compliance with specified terms and conditions. As with any federal grant or payment, recipients of CARES Act grants must be very careful to conduct effective diligence to demonstrate compliance with funding requirements. Let me start here with Colleen. What are the requirements being put on hospitals, physicians, and other providers for receipt of relief funds?
1: Thanks, Peter. There are different terms and conditions based upon the various funding types that are being provided. HHS has actually posted six different terms and conditions that encompass different variations based upon what is received. There are some consistencies that actually, though, apply across terms and conditions for most of the funding sources. So I'll touch on that real quickly. We have the use of payments, which is really has been focused on preventing, prepare for, and respond to the coronavirus and to reimburse for healthcare-related expenses or lost revenues. There's also consistently received prohibitions on double-dipping and balanced billing. There's the non-exclusion requirements, meaning that individuals who you cannot be excluded from participating in the federal healthcare program to receive these funds, as well as appropriations requirements which have some limitations on things such as executive pay. And then overall, we're seeing across all of them reporting, record-keeping, and auditing requirements that are consistent. So it's really important for recipients to pay close attention to the details of the specific funding source requirements and to be able to support that they can meet each of those requirements.
0: So, Colleen, why is it so important for recipients to go through all this due diligence to demonstrate their compliance? Are there any penalties that are going to be associated if you don't follow these rules?
1: Yes, actually, there really will be. We anticipate that there is going to be significant enforcement activity that's coming down the road for this. The CARES Act itself, Peter, has provided substantial funding for enforcement activities. Well over $100 million has actually been earmarked currently for that enforcement activity. The Act itself actually provides three new oversight committees that are similarly structured to what we saw in 2008 on the the stimulus bills. And um, some of the things that we learned from 2008 and those large stimulus activities is that there will be a significant amount of auditing that's coming down the road from the government as well as we saw a significant amount of whistleblower activity that was shown. So I think those are two important things that organizations or recipients should really keep in mind as they're going forward. There's also requirements that the government conduct audits and that you provide reporting. The Failing to meet those requirements can actually subject recipients to False Claims Act liability, and it could result in criminal, civil, and administrative penalties. And those penalties can include such things as revocation of your Medicare billing privileges, exclusion from federal health care programs, imposition of fines, civil damages, and even imprisonment. So it's very important that you pay close attention to the enforcement activities that are coming down the road.
0: Okay, so Mary, that's pretty sobering information about the kinds of penalties that might be associated. So what should a healthcare provider who receives this grant money be doing right now as they plan to sign and return these certifications and attestations that I understand that HHS is requiring all the grant recipients to make?
2: Yes, Peter, it is, it is kind of sobering. First, I would say organize around the funding sources. It's important to know what funds are being received and to ensure that you have sufficient time to conduct effective due diligence before the attestation deadline. You want to track your COVID-related expenses and calculate lost revenues. For expenses, consider a separate GL account or cost center for COVID-19. Use a reasonable method of estimating lost revenues. HHS and its FAQs has given examples of approaches like year-over-year or budget to actual But however you choose to track expenses or calculate your lost revenues, develop narratives to document your assumptions and approaches. This will really help you tell your story later on. You want to ensure careful tracking of the funds and their uses to avoid double dipping. Implement processes to ensure no balance billing of -of out-of-network or uninsured COVID patients. You might even want to consider implementing a sub-certification process. For the person who is going to be completing the attestation, this is a, a good form of due diligence. And finally, develop policies and procedures related to the requirements of the terms and conditions and train your staff on those.
0: So Mary, on this double dipping requirement, I take it that means that if you get some money, for example, from FEMA for expenses related to COVID-19, you're not entitled to get that reimbursed from the CARES Act as well?
2: That's exactly right.
0: Mary, much of this money distributed so far has been done according to a formula that HHS created. Is there an opportunity for a hospital or a healthcare provider to receive more money than what the formula has called for already?
2: Yes, there is. Let me, let me explain um, how these distributions have occurred. The initial $30 billion in general distribution grants that went out in mid-April, that was based upon a provider's 2019 Medicare fee-for-service reimbursement. The second $20 billion in general distribution grants was sent automatically to many hospitals and providers based on their net patient revenues in prior years. HHSU CMS cost reports to derive the amount it paid to hospitals. Some providers, however, do not file cost reports, so those providers have to submit revenue information, mostly information from their tax returns, as well as estimates of revenue losses from March and April 2020.
0: So what if you got paid too much money? Is that possible?
2: Yeah, HHS has recognized that some providers who automatically receive money may have received more than the COVID-related lost revenues or the COVID-related expenses they have or they anticipate having. So HHS has said in its FAQs that if a provider believes it has been overpaid, it should reject its entire general distribution payment and submit appropriate revenue information to HHS so that the proper calculation can be made.
0: What happens if you don't send the money back?
2: Well, you would be in violation of the terms and conditions of the grant, and presumably not only could HHS seek a refund of the money, but it could come after the provider for those fines and penalties.
0: Okay. More sobering information for us. So once you fill out the uh, certification forms, Mary, and submit it online, are you done, finished, anything else you need to do?
2: (laughs) Well, when you receive any federal fund or federal payment, you're never really – you're never really done. You want to make preparations for the required quarterly reporting that will be coming up and follow all the record keeping requirements that are spelled out in the terms and conditions. And then I would strongly suggest conducting internal monitoring activities so that you are prepared when the government does come back to audit these activities later on. And you might consider focus areas um, being the use of funds, the double dipping prohibition, and the balance Colleen
0: and Mary, thank you for these insights as you can see there are always some strings attached with federal grants and in this case the strings are pretty significant let me close by thanking you for joining us for this podcast on cares act compliance if you have additional questions we'd be delighted to answer them you can reach us via our website to all of you in healthcare listening today especially our nurses doctors and frontline caregivers thank you for all of your work and personal sacrifices in caring for patients during this especially difficult time in our history You are truly our heroes. And to everyone listening, please stay safe. Alvarez and Marcel. Leadership. Action. Results.